With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into the Bear Den. I'm Matt Workman. I'm joined by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing this evening? I am I'm doing pretty solid on this this wonderful Monday night. I have a hell of a work week ahead of me. So this will be like okay. my last little enjoyable thing until Friday. Yeah. Um, I'm the opposite where I have pretty much all week off and then my work kind of starts on Friday. Oh yeah. See, I, uh, I, I don't know. I think I prefer my way a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. But having, having the full week be light would be nice. It's just once every three months I have to, I have to do some stuff for work for like a full week where we like talk about what the next three months is going to look like and what the previous three months look like. Um, and it's like a whole thing. So had to prepare for it last week, kind of cram some stuff in today. And then I just got to sit in a bunch of meetings over the next three days. So once Friday gets here though, Oh buddy, that'll be a relaxation evening. And you would be uh well-deserved if yeah. So it's such a busy week. Um, so what do you say we just jump right into last week's? We can start with Baylor and kind of just run through the week of um, Big 12 games. So you took part in the playback this week again. You weren't at the game. Um, how how did you view it from watching on TV or from the, the, the stream that y'all had versus uh, how I, everyone in the stadium was, was viewing it in, in a certain way? I want to see what your take is on it. All right. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I was I watched it through the playback app, which uh, through the Our Daily Bears channel. Um, Me, Deontay and Cody were kind of hosting it on there. We had a good, pretty good turnout. Uh, Check it out if you guys ever want to join. But um, yeah, I mean, we basically just watched the TV broadcast as a group. And I mean, overall, it's a 42 to 7 win where you turned it over, what, three times? Um, And you still won by 35. You still covered overall i mean yeah i want to see more i think uh i think we've it's it's been hammered home at this point you know even Aranda's talking about how he feels like the offense is timid um there's like an anxiety there and i think that's that's it there's just a lack of decisiveness i think from almost everybody on the offense with the exception of one of our running backs, Richard Reese, who I'm the biggest fan of now um, 19 carries 156 yards and three touchdowns in this game. He really showed up, showed out. And I think has a very strong case for being running back one moving forward, but Blake Shapin, uh for the most part, the wide receivers and even to a certain degree, the offensive line at times doesn't seem to be in sync and seems to be timid. And we scored 42 points because we were the better football team. We had better athletes and we had a running back who was having a really, really good day and was, was doing everything right. Um, but this is a game where you like, you look at it and you're like, we could have scored 63. That wouldn't have surprised me with the talent that we had and just the gap that was there. 
So, I mean, the offense is leaving me wanting. Uh, overall, I think the defense did a good job of just um, taking what Texas State was giving them. They were throwing everything underneath. I think their average um, flight yardage, like while the ball is in the air before it's received, is like 2.8 yards or something like that. They were committed to throwing underneath. Uh, we kept everything in front. Uh, we didn't tackle as well as we did in years past, but it was good enough tackling, stopped them on multiple third downs, blocked a field goal, um, and held them to seven points. So I don't really have much to complain about on the defensive side. But, yeah, what was what was the vibe in the press box and in the crowd? Because I know you got to kind of experience both. What was kind of the vibe there with the offense and the defense? Yeah, it was um, pretty much the same thing. So it was like, why? And, you know, at one point, pretty close to heading into half, it was like 14 to seven. And you're like, why are, why is it only like one score? Why is it this close? Cause it shouldn't be. Um, and then, you know, they did go up, score a touchdown right before half. So, you know, you go up to 21, seven. Um, it was just kind of more of like, we didn't get it right. So, but then they turned it on. You know, they kind of got things rolling. Running game got more rolling in the um, second half, like you said. Of, of course, Richard Reese kind of asserted himself as he's like, like Aranda had said in his press conference today, like he's a kind of one plant and go. You know, you could also see from what I could tell him um, at the game that he just, he has just better vision than the other backs. You know, he yeah, just absolutely. sees where the hole. You, you can absolutely tell that. He, he can, you can tell like he sees where. Even if it's not like where the design to run, he sees where the holes in the defense are, the running lanes, and and hits them. He just hits them hard. Like, and it's kind of goes back to what Aranda was saying. Like, one plant, and I'm gonna, I'm hitting the hole as as hard as I can. So yeah, there's decisiveness. There's not a timid sense of am I. There's not there's not a questioning of oneself saying am I making the right decision right now, yeah. which slows you down by a step and a half, and then you end up getting a you know uh, a run that's for a loss of yardage instead of a gain of seven. Sure. And other backs, you you know they have other strengths, and they just may not have the vision that it looks. It appears that that Reese has, and yeah, I was sitting there with a, with a mutual friend of ours, and we were we were saying that uh, it was he's he's obviously like yeah, like I'm sold. Like he's he's probably like the best running back so far that we've seen. I mean, in, it's been a three game sample set, but so far he's really been the best one to kind of just take the game over on the ground when we needed a tough yardage, he was there to deliver. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't there to see the, the media guide for this game. So I'd be interesting to interested to see the depth chart, but on the broadcast, they labeled him as this, like when they said, you know, here's the Baylor starting offense. He was the name that was flashed up on screen as the starting running back. So, yeah, I have it. Like, if you want to hold on, I can grab it. If you want to go, want to know what it was. I mean, I, yeah, but I, I'm sure that's probably where they got it. But it was interesting to yeah. me when we first started the game, I called it out like, hey, Reese is the starting running back. Okay. And he was clearly the guy that came in. Um, and it looked like, you know, with, with Tay McWilliams out, it was Reese one and Squirrel two. I mean, that's really yeah. how the game went. And that's, that's, that's how the, the carries were handed out as well. You saw a little Quayland, but he was definitely like the third back. Yeah. And like you said, Tay was out. So, and, and Naranda had said today that he's going to be out a little bit longer. So, presumably, we'll get more of that same rotation. 
Yeah, I will say this though, to your point about the whole like you look up and it's only 14 to seven. We have this uh we have this view of what this team looked like last year just through the lens of it won 12 games and it was a conference champion. But with the exception of the Iowa State, West Virginia, and second Oklahoma State games, we were not a start fast no. team. Like we were for like the Texas game, the Oklahoma game. Um, the, uh, the first, uh, the first BYU or, you know, the BYU game last year, we were a, we bet you can't do this against us for four quarters. Like, and we played yeah. our, we played our game. We knew who we were and we just said, we're going to be able to score 24 points and our defense isn't going to give that much up. So wait till we get there when the final whistle's blown, we'll win. I mean, that's how, that's kind of how Kansas state went. Yeah. Um, so we kind of got to remember that with this team too. But it's, te- the, I, you know, I get where you're coming from. It's Texas State. It's one thing if you're playing in Manhattan, Kansas, and that happens to you. It's another thing when you're at home against Texas State and you're only up 14 to seven and late in the second quarter. So, yeah. And like I was talking to a friend yesterday, and basically I, this kind of team is, you can tell, like they're only going to get better as the year goes on. So I can see at the end of the year, they're playing at like a, a super high level, kind of like they did last year, you know. By the end of the year and going into the the championship game, they were playing at such a high level, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And the running game was just executing at such a high level that they were one of the best teams in the Big 12. And I can foresee that happening again. The problem is the schedule is is kind of weird in that you have a lot of tough games until you get to that point. So you kind of have to tread water and kind of you're going to have to get like we'll talk about it later. Like this week's one of those weeks where you got to figure some things out quick. Yeah, you absolutely do. Or your defense has to play absolute lights up. So um, and, it was a yeah, it was a it was a 42 seven win a last non-con game. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know really how much we learned. I still don't know, like how much we opened it up. It's. I think this is the biggest takeaway here is, is I think Reese is separating himself. Yeah, I think they tried. And if there's a couple of calls that like they threw deep shots, you know, one was out of bounds. One was called incomplete, which probably should have been where they were trying to. And they looked good. You know, those are, you know, they, they were both quote unquote catches. The first one just happened to be out of bounds as a deep shot down the sideline. Um, I think that was Seth Jones, maybe. And then I think Hal Presley had the other one. It, or I could be confused on those two plays. But one was ruled a catch, then overturned later. But that was a great play. That and, was the Seth Jones play. Okay. And that was the absolute worst call I've ever seen. Yeah. So and I didn't – and, like, I I couldn't tell. It looked good, but I, I was up in the press box for that one. So There was really not a single angle that they showed on television that that would have said that it was an incomplete pass. Like nobody on the broadcast thought it was an incomplete, like absolutely everybody, including, I think it was uh, Mike Pereira who was like, no, yeah, this is a, this is absolutely a catch. He, cause he caught the ball. I think he got three feet inbounds. Then he was taken down out of bounds, landed with the ball. And it wasn't until like he was being pulled even further that the ball came out. And it was absolutely unbelievable that, that, that they, it would have been one thing if it had been called incomplete and they just, said it stands but the fact that it was called complete and they overturned it was was mind-boggling yeah so i think they were trying to get some of that rhythm going um so i just based on what so i've seen so far you can 
your three receivers are like Gavin Holmes, Seth Jones, and Hal Presley. Those are your your one, two, and three guys in whatever order yes. you put them in. And that and that's how the catches went out. I mean, Gavin yeah. Gavin Holmes had three, Seth Jones had two. Um, I think Hal Presley had two. We did get a fleek sighting. He had the longest catch of the yeah. day, but it was late in the game. That was a that run. It was right in front of us. Well, by that time, I'd moved down. And I was closer, sitting in the stands, and it looked at one point. I was like, he like almost full on stops, and I was, it was just it was an interesting little run after the catch. Mm. But um, I was expecting more based on Texas State deep secondary. You know, they're not you know, great or good, really. So I was expecting this would be the game where you get like a 300, 250-yard game from Shapin, and it just didn't come to fruition. Yeah, I mean. Which is concerning. We we talked about this last week, you know. He's, he didn't blow, he didn't blow Gary Bohannon out of the water. So he's, he's. You know, I think he's going to be better than what Gary was passing wise last year, but he needs to be a little bit more decisive and and just a little bit more zing. He's got more he's got more arm strength than I think he's he's showing. Um, I think another big thing for him has been really his pocket presence. I've I've watched a lot of replays of he had areas in the pocket where he could have stepped to give himself more space and breathing room, and he kind of steps into areas that put him into a little bit more trouble that make him feel the pressure a little bit more. So I think that's all things that are, those are all things that are fixable um, as you watch tape and you kind of learn and you get more reps and you understand. So hopefully we see more out of him, but um, well, as we'll talk about later, it's going to be a tough test this week. For sure. Um, so let's uh, wrap up Baylor and just look at the the rest of the big 12 slate. Um, it was a, I don't know, weird week, I guess. Um, to me, it was anyway. So I'll just start off at the top. So OU was taking on Nebraska, and they absolutely demolished him. Yeah. I mean, nobody nobody on this podcast picked Nebraska to win this game this summer. Oh, oh that, I should, that never happened. Didn't happen, never. I, sh- I should say, full like disclaimer, Anything that's said on the podcast um, does not necessarily reflect the views of the hosts. I just I wanted to put that out there. Oh, but man, yes, yeah, I did, that was we and were... I was wrong. I was one hundred percent wrong. Nebraska is not a good football team. Yeah, they're very bad. We we were um, we were like flipping back and just like on the broadcast where like asking for people that were in chat to update us on what was going on in that game, or we would check out the stats and kind of talk about it. And at first it was almost like, Hey, all right. Casey Thompson's moving the football against Oklahoma. Just like, you know, red river last year. Ooh, and then that quickly went down the drain, just quickly went down the drain. Whenever Dylan Gabriel has a 60 yard run on you, it, which he's a athletic kid. He does have a restructured knee. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not not your day. Yeah, I mean he's he's an athlete, but it's not Lamar Jackson. No, no. Um. So, and all that being said, as well as OU played and how much they dominated Nebraska, I still don't know how if that's like a if they're like a top you know five team or if they've played really bad teams. 
Yeah, there is. I still don't know. There's, I, I have no idea because what they, they really didn't play well against Kent State, and I mean they put up, you know, what you expect. I mean, you're right, they didn't blow them out. It was, it was a forty spot to like, you know, a small number. I don't forget score was, but it was like something like that. They didn't. It wasn't sixty-seven to. Two. It was it was one of those games where you it was kind of like our game where it was close it felt closer than it's a it weird was. score yeah <laughs> and then um so I we'll find out more this week and we'll talk about that we'll go through the slate later but yeah well I think we'll definitely get a better barometer on on OU this week all right and well, we can stay in the state of Oklahoma um okay. and barely touch on this one because it absolutely yeah. doesn't matter <laughs> but Oklahoma State won at home against Arkansas Pine Bluff, sixty-three to seven. I don't think. Did you worry about this game at all? No, yeah, I didn't. I don't. I don't even think I've looked at a single highlight I, of this game. I, I think I may have checked scored. It may have been like thirty-five to nothing or whatever, thirty-five to seven. I was like, okay, that's that's all I need to know. Yeah, I mean, I don't have to check in on this game again. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever looked at this game once. So, yeah, all right, there you go. Oklahoma State beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. Congrats, go Cowboys. And the um, the fighting Joy McGuire's traveled to North Carolina, take on NC State. The fighting what? Joy McGuire's. Ah, the Joey McGuire's. Okay. Um. So anyway, they, they head into Raleigh. You are correct. Yes. Number so, sixteen, North Carolina State. Absolutely. And they get they go down twenty seven to fourteen. Twenty seven to fourteen. I was watching this game. Did you watch any of this game? I watched almost all of this game. Yeah, me too. And at one point, it felt way worse. Like, I think it was it. It did. It felt like NC State was running away with the game and then just, but their wheels were just spinning. Like, they weren't actually moving forward. But it never felt like Texas Tech had a grip on getting anywhere near controlling this game. Yeah, even even if it was a you know thirteen point difference, you're right. It just it never felt like like I never thought like they may come back and win this game. Not once. Right. And there was so, it was like if they do, it will be on really stupid stuff. Yeah, and their offense uh, does not look good, or it did in this game. I mean, this is the the first. I mean. And we'll talk. We can talk a little bit about Houston, which I think Houston's also not a good football team. Yeah, I picked Houston as my group of five. Like, get ready for them to break out team. And I, I, I'm thinking they're just flat out. And, and like you said, we'll talk about them a little bit. But yeah, we looked at Tech's schedule and we were like, man, this thing's a gauntlet. They've got to play Houston and NC State. And we were, um, you know, if you remember, you and I were both very, very, very big on the Tech was going to start one yeah. and two. They would beat Murray State. Yeah. I mean, I, they, thought, uh, I always they thought we'd lose Houston. this game. Yeah, they beat Houston, and it was and Houston was twenty fifth at the time, so it was kind of like, okay, is Tech better than we thought they were going to be? Yeah, this was the game where it was like, okay, that this is where the talent gap showed up. Yeah, where it's like, and I saw a lot of Tech fans saying this too, where it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I remember now it's going to take a minute. And it, this wasn't yeah. a disheartening game for them. It was just like, okay, we ran into a team that was legitimately better than us. I think their defense is way better than I anticipated, for sure. And that was going to come with Joey. Like, yeah, Joey, and, Joey was going to come in there, and what he's going to make sure they do is they're, they're going to play hard, and they're going to play fundamentally sound. So when you're talking about the defensive side of the football in college, 
especially if you just do your job and you play hard every play, you can play pretty good defense. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. They yeah. um, went down, you know, no, no shame in going on the road and, no. and losing to a top, top 16 team. Yeah. I mean, they were favored to win. They looked like the better team. I mean, yeah. So, all right. Then we had the game everybody was praying would happen, which yeah. was UTSA Texas. We got a first half for the you know for the memes for the memories there. I didn't get to watch this game at all because I, I don't watched, have Longhorn Network. Yeah. I watched a little bit of it, but I was I was trying to keep you know I on the te- I was primarily watching the Texas Tech game, but I was flipping back and forth. Um, gotcha. I was watching Texas versus UTSA. Um, on GameCast and okay. ESPN, like, whoever was running, who was whoever was running the GameCast app for this game, um, what I don't think was watching the game. I think they were getting text messages from somebody telling them what to enter onto GameCast because it would be so far behind and it would sit there without updating for like five minutes, and then you would just get like, oh yeah, by the way, somebody scored a touchdown. It was so bad, but I kind of followed it on Twitter more than anything. But Texas beats UTSA 41 to 20 tied in tied after one half, though. Yeah. And actually, I mean, UTSA was up like 17 to seven at one point. They started off very strong. And I was listening to another podcast earlier. They kind of you could tell like UTSA just kind of run out of gas. And and then Frank Harris went out the game that kind of really. Oh, yeah. And they played B. John Robinson. And, and Bijan Robinson did what he does. I mean, yeah. there's nothing you really can't do about that, especially for a team that's been running on these high emotions in these games, you know, played a couple of overtime games, I believe, back-to-back overtime games. So Houston and Army, correct. Yeah, so, I mean, you just you can tell this team, is like, they were just running on fumes, and, it, and then that's what, you know, Bijan just runs away with it at, at that point. Yeah, I, uh, I I I said Texas would cover this game. I think UTSA more than held their own, but yeah. Texas just had the horses. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so next was a, a another. I mean, we don't have to talk a lot about this game. West Virginia sixty five thousand seven. Yeah, congratulations, yeah. West Virginia. You're not going to go winless. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and we'll just keep. We can just keep on rolling. Iowa State um, defeated Ohio. University 43 to 10. Yeah. Um, I guess good tune up game. Both yeah. Iowa State and Baylor kind of played lesser opponents. Yeah. And... I mean, lesser group of five points. I don't think Ohio's like what a, a good group of five team. So they kind of yeah. did what you expect them to do. Now, the inter- most interesting game, well, second most interesting game on uh, that happened was Kansas State lost to Tulane 17 to 10. At home. And I was, I did not look at this score once until late at night just to check the scores. And I saw that I was quite shocked at the outcome. Yeah, it was not what anybody expected. And it, here's like, I didn't watch a lick of this game, but I did look at the stats and it's crazy. Every single major of like the three major offensive categories, Tulane was better individually than Kansas state, like passing yards, 
uh, Tulane's quarterback had 176, and Adrian Martinez had 150. And then Tulane, the running back with the second most carries on the day had 87 yards. Deuce Vaughn only had 81. Receiving, they had Tulane had one receiver that had three catches for 60 yards. Kansas State had Malik Knowles go five for 52. So there wasn't an individual yeah. contributor on Kansas State that that beat out their counterpart from Tulane. Well, and like Tulane, they kind of run the, a similar type of offense. Right. Because like the leading rusher was Michael Pratt, who was Tulane's quarterback. Correct. Quarterback, so, yeah. So he was a leading rusher for the game. for, And, and, and he didn't even have as many carries as the running back did. Yeah. So he's, I mean, they kind of do the same thing that K-State does. And they just got, you know, out K-Stated. Right. Like Adrian Martinez had 13 carries for 59 yards. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, I forgot. Adrian Martinez does this. Right. If, if you're in this time of game, you can't really rely on him to like put it on his shoulders and win the game for you. Yeah, you can muck up a game with Kansas State and win it. If you just go out there and you just play defense and you just keep trying on offense, you, you can score. Which makes me want to like pump the brakes on the, you know, everyone. Yeah, I think everybody's everyone's pumping the brakes favorite. a little bit. There's on, everyone's favorite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everybody's everybody was. I had them in the Big 12 title game too. So whatever. So yeah, let's so, move on. Kansas okay. State, you can't lose to Tulane. That's stupid. All right. We got to talk about this. Year, Kansas Jayhawks defeated Houston 48 to 30. And Houston's in all kinds of like disarray. Like they were fighting on the sidelines, pushing each other. I mean, it was just a wreck. I mean, Dana it's like that has time no control in the Dana, of that game. Dana Holgerson cycle. He has no control over that team. I mean, it's but anyway, let's not talk about Houston yet. Kansas absolutely you know, like superseded my expectations. And I thought they'd be more improved. I didn't know they'd they be offensively be this much more improved in just year two. So there's a competency about them, and they've played yes, yes. I mean, they played Tennessee Tech, and they scored the same amount of points on the road at West Virginia, and then they scored almost the same amount of points, but just a little bit fewer on the road at Houston. So they've their offense has traveled with them too. Yes, Jalen Daniels has been amazing. Um, there's really nothing else besides that that you can say. Like he's just been so good, um, both running and throwing the football. Um, I, I I don't know where this is coming from either. I know I, I've, I'm hearing like people like whisper they're kind of scared of Kansas now. I didn't think I'd say this, but it's possible Kansas makes a bowl game. But I don't. I still don't think like Kansas yes. isn't going to be in the top half of this conference. They're no. just not going to be in last place. Well, the problem you, we talked about their offense. The problem is they're giving up a lot of points. They are. Yeah. So I mean, eventually, that's gonna wreck a game for you or or several because of the teams you you have I mean you're going to play in when he gets in the conference play which is this week and then you're not going to be able to do the same thing like I said earlier Houston I think right now we can probably say not a good football team yeah at least where they sit right now on the air they're yeah. just they're in disarray yeah like if, absolutely. You're, if you're fighting on your own sideline in the middle it's one thing to fight in practice but if you're fighting in the middle of a game on your sideline, like on TV, yeah. the, that's they, not good. The team, 
who what there on that particular play like i guess there was some kind of personal foul or some kind of penalty the the they you know subbed him out they said you you go to sidelines send someone else i mean they made him go and then someone came off sidelines and just shoved the heck out of him right in the chest and it was just a mess that whole team's a mess right now and you're almost thinking like well maybe this is maybe they'll tank again like they did two three years ago yeah i uh i look very very wildly dumb for picking them as my group of five team of the year um they are done you, you weren't the only one. Like that was that was a huge. Yeah, they were hot. Point. They won twelve straight yeah. games last year. Yeah, they won twelve straight games. They look great. I mean, you would think, yeah, they're just gonna they're gonna carry this on over into this season. Yeah, now they're done. They have. They don't. Yeah. I don't even think they have it with two losses, especially to um, Kansas and Tech. They're both big 12 losses, but I I don't think there's a shot like Houston can even yeah. make a, a New Year six at this point. Yeah, and like. They almost very closely lost to UTSA, which is well, they're they're well coached. Yeah, that team. was double overtime. But I mean, I would based on what they lost, you you wouldn't think UTSA was going to be as good as they were last year. So, right, Clayton Houston should have handled Houston's that. quarterback. Like this was supposed to be his coming out year, and he has not looked good. So interesting. This is, this is, is I, I see a lot of Houston fans talking about how they are not ready for the Big Twelve, and it may be they may go through the uh, the TCU style. Um, entry into this conference. If you remember when when TCU first joined, they were they were yeah, next like, level bad, like four and eight, a couple yeah. four and eight years, yeah. But that's all like recruiting and kind of getting you know Big Twelve players. But everyone thought going into it, you thought Houston's right; they're already there based on eleven and one. Not and, everybody, not everybody. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> but uh, well, you're in Houston. What's the what do you what's the talk? It, there is no in, talk. They're Houston. Okay. <laughs> if you want to talk college football in this town, it's it's Texas A&M. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, most most Houston fans, like legit Houston fans, not the cool ones that you know some of us follow on Twitter, but the stereotype Houston fan is somebody that has a huge chip on their shoulder, who thinks that they deserve to be in the Southwest Conference and and they shouldn't have been left out, and that there's some big conspiracy against them that's kept them out of um you know the power five and that if they were to ever get back they would finally show everybody how amazing and dominant they were when even when they were in the southwest conference they weren't amazing and dominant like Listen, you had your chance houston you could have beat kansas and then you could make texas lugs into kansas jokes but now you can't you're done you know they they're a great basketball program I'll give them that. Very good. And they, they were in the Southwest Conference too. So it's good to see them back in basketball. But um, I think it's going to take them a minute in football. And, you know, yeah. it's the University of Houston. It is what it now, is. Now, I mean, BYU is more of that. We're going to, you know, come in and compete right away. They're BYU is close to that level. I think Cincinnati's not far off. Um, no. they, they just lost so much. Production. They did. They're not far off. They could get there again. It's not yeah. to say Houston won't get there, but it's going to sure. take Houston a minute, I think. Sure. Um, and I, I honestly think I think Central Florida will is kind of in the same boat as Houston. I think they they're yeah. going to take a little bit longer than they expect. Now go back to Kansas. Um, speaking of their defense, so week one they played Tennessee Tech and just you know did what they were supposed to do, put up fifty six points. 
held in the 10. West Virginia, who I wouldn't think we would call them like a, a great team right now. Um, they gave put up 42 on, on Kansas. And then you have Houston put up 30. So that Kansas defense is still giving up points. Yes, very so, much so. And to not good offenses, which I would say Houston's probably not a good offense or West Virginia right now. So I've, it'll be interesting when Daniels runs into some stout defensive play, like when he plays yeah. us, when he plays Iowa State. That's not Houston and West yeah. Virginia's defense. It, it's also going to be telling if they run into a team and a team that has a good offense, it goes up, you know, you go, you go down 21 to seven. Are you going to be able to still put up those points offensively? Or are you kind of to a point at that where we're going to have to, everyone knows what we're going to do because we're behind. So we're going to have yeah. to start. So, yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see moving forward how that, uh, how that all plays out. But that was uh, week three. Done and done on week three. Yeah. Well, what comes after three, Matt? That would be four. And so let's, before we jump into Big 12, was there any game that's not Big 12 related that you look at this week that is intriguing to you? I mean, like, I guess Clemson Wake Forest, just to see what happens there. If, yeah. if maybe Wake has, you know, lowered the gap between the two of them. Is... That was mine as well, just because I want to, because Clemson offense doesn't look great. Like, they're putting up some points uh, against bad teams. Um, Wake Forest isn't a bad team. They're a very, very good offensive team. And it's interesting to see how that all plays out. A good offense versus a bad offense. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, non-Big 12, like, probably the Texas A&M-Arkansas game, too, just because of the history of that game, number one, yeah. and then number two, that speaking might of, be a game that ends, like, seven to three. Speaking of bad offenses. Yeah. Like, that game, that might be the, the Iowa-South Dakota State 2.0 game. And I would say one – something that – a little bit infuriates me is the Florida Tennessee game. That's a ranked on ranked top 25 matchup. That's fine. But the fact that game day didn't go to Kansas Duke is appalling and offensive to me personally. I agree. It is a slap in the face to college football. As a whole. Undefeated Kansas Jayhawks versus an undefeated Duke blue devils. It's literally football. What are we doing? Literally here? just hate hatred of football because if they were three and zero, both of them playing three and zero, and it was basketball, game day would be there. And the sheer audacity to go to Florida, Tennessee, like, could you be more on the nose? Yeah, could it be more just just sellout? That's that's I mean, what it is. But anyway. Yeah, I don't. I don't care much about that. And I think Tennessee's probably going to Tennessee's probably going to beat the crowd of Florida. So I don't think it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a good game either. I mean, um, we got we got three and one Vandy against Alabama. So hey, there's that. Man, yeah, never know. Never know. You never ever know. But yeah, that's that's it. I don't. This is yeah, this isn't a huge week. No, I, I mean, yeah, that's about the only we've mentioned the three games probably that are very interesting at all that are non big 12. I think there's some very interesting big 12 matchups. 
But outside of that, there's not a lot of intriguing matchups this week. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be funny if like Maryland beat Michigan because Maryland's three and zero, but they're not supposed to be good, and Michigan's number four in the country, and I think they're wildly overrated. So, um, that the schedule would be, like, is my garbage. One, like, Schedule's garbage, and I think they're good, but they're kind of like Oklahoma. I, I really, I don't know. They could yeah, be. Very I don't good. think Michigan's going to be that good. So that's just my thing. So I think Maryland at three and zero going into the big house. Michigan's favored by 17. That would be my one like <laughs> silly thing might happen. I think there, there's potential for a bunch of silliness this week, just because the these weeks where you think like, oh, the they're not great games. Those are the weeks where like chaos ensues. Yeah, and this has been a very weird year of college football for for stuff like that. Yeah, so like we talked about, you could have like a wake upset Clemson. You could have. Vandy play a little bit too close to Alabama. No, they're not going to be Alabama, but maybe it's yeah. a little bit too close at half, that type of thing. But it's one of those weeks where, you know, crazy stuff could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it, it, I feel like they're just, it's, it's like Georgia's the only good team this year. So anything can yeah. happen. Speaking of craziness, um, Thursday night, West Virginia travels to Virginia Tech to take on the Hokies. This is more of West Virginia's wild schedule, which is just super hard on all fronts. Um, This is, you know, like I said, a Thursday night game on ESPN. Uh, Let me see. Do you, I'm not looking, I'm looking at the schedule, so I don't have the lines right now. Do you have any? Welcome back. Out of okay. the bared in technical difficulties. This will be fun when you edit this together. Yes. So what was the last thing you heard me say? Uh, I think we just said West. We were talking about how West Virginia's okay. scheduled sucks. So we'll just start okay. there. West Virginia heads yes. to Blacksburg, heads to Blacksburg, Virginia, the other Virginia, to face Virginia Tech. They are um West Virginia is a two and a half point favorite in this game on the road. West Virginia's the favorite. Um what do you got in this one, Matt? Um, I think Virginia Tech is going to win this one. Just like straight up win. So straight up. Yeah, I mean, I I think they'll win by more than two and a half. So well, I mean, West Virginia is favored. So. Yeah, okay. No, yeah, I think yeah, I think Virginia Tech's gonna win. I'm I'm just not sold that. Hold on. I think Virginia Tech's going to win. Um, I'm not sold that West Virginia is a very good football team. And I think if Neil Brown's buyout wasn't $16 million, he would have already been fired. Okay. Now, I will I will remind you that Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. Um, they did beat Boston College 27-10, to 10, but then they played Wofford this past week and only won 27-7 to 7 against Wofford. Yeah, I think it's – I'm giving them a slant edge because they're a home dog. So, Okay. And so it, I know everybody hates this, but just as another little thing, West Virginia FPI says 63% chance to win. So, I, I tell you, you want to know what my pick is? Yes, please. I think West Virginia sucks, and I'm taking Virginia Tech to win straight up. That's where I'm at. So, yeah, we're in agreement. So and we will Thursday. probably be wrong, but did both of them play? Did they, did they they both played Saturday, right? 
Yes. Uh, it was right. Towson and Wofford. So, but it's still a short week. I don't know. Yeah, I this just, is a Thursday night, six thirty on ESPN games. So short week for both of them. But I just don't. I'm kind of the point where like West Virginia, you're gonna have to prove to me that you you're not a bad football team at this point because everything I've seen, there's no evidence to that. So right, and Virginia Tech has not played many people, but they are only averaging twelve points a game. They're giving up twelve points a game. So their be, defense is great. Um, this they could be a only super give up two hundred yards a game. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, this could be a super ugly game. Okay, moving. What's on. next? What's next on the Big Twelve slate? That's our Thursday night game. How okay. are we kicking off Saturday? So, we're going to start with. There's two, three, 11 a.m. games this week. We'll so reserve one for last. We'll reserve one for last. Um, I think the most interesting game to me, probably this Big 12 slate, is TCU at SMU. For Battle me, for the Iron Skillet. So much intrigue into this game. SMU's former coach is now TCU's coach. Uh, he was booed by SMU for how he left or when he left or circumstances around him leaving, going to their cross Metroplex hated rival. It's it's just full of like drama and intrigue and hate. And that's what I'm here for. I agree. It's an old, you know, Metroplex rivalry that's been around for a very long time. Both these schools were in the Southwest conference. Both were left out. Of the Big Twelve originally, yeah. um, I uh, I am I will probably or I would watch this if it were not at the exact same time as the Baylor game, but I will be paying attention to this one. It's basically a pickup, as you know, it's, it's yeah. at it's at Ford Stadium, so it's at SMU. SMU's at home, but TCU is a one point favorite, um, which we, you can kind of assume is TCU being about a four point favorite on a neutral site, um, but still kind of a toss up game here. According to Vegas, I am. I'm going to take T. Or I'm going to take SMU to win this one. They won it last year. It's at home for them. Tanner Mordecai is really good at quarterback, and I think I think SMU is just going to take it. And that crowd is going to let Sunny Dykes have it the entire time. Yeah. And they, this whole team, SMU is going to want to win this game more than anything else. I think. I think yeah. they they take it. Yeah, and Rhett, lastly, SMU head coach used to work was the offensive coordinator for Sunny Ducks at SMU. So there's a lot of familiarity there, and I'm with you. And also, I just think SMU probably right now, at least offensively, is a better team. Yes, for sure. So um, I'm, I'm in agreement. I think SMU will take down the Horn Frogs. What's our um, other 11 a.m. matchup? Is this – have you have, – we haven't referenced this one at all. So this is the one that – Game day should have been at. Um, game day, big noon Saturday. Yeah. Everything should have been there. But Duke going to Lawrence, Kansas to take three and O Duke. Yes. To take on your three and O Kansas Jayhawks. Um, KU is a nine point favorite. Nine point favorite. What, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Are See, you, I'm, are I'm, you... I'm conflicted. Because from what I've seen, like Duke hasn't really played anyone that's very good. You know, even Northwestern, I think they were kind of 
exposed. Um, because I think they lost to again this week. So I don't know how good Duke is. And we've talked about Kansas. Kansas offense is very dynamic. Um, at least against who the, the teams that they've played so far. Defense is suspect. So I expect it'll be a, a similar type score. You're gonna have a one team, you know, it's gonna be a high scoring game. Um so Duke is coming off of a shutout. Uh, I don't care who you're playing. A shutout in college football is hard to pull off. They beat Temple 30 to nothing. Temple, they held Northwestern not- to 23, and they held in, uh, North Carolina A&T to 20. They're giving up 14 points a game. That's it. Kansas, even across, you know, across Houston, West Virginia, Tennessee Tech, giving up about 28 points a game. Um. Now, yards allowed, different story. They're very, very similar on yards allowed, which makes me think Duke is one of these bend-don't-break defenses that, that gets stout when they get down into the red zone. I don't have the red zone stats in front of me. I could be just absolutely making that up. But just off of the evidence of how many points they give up compared to how many yards they give up, they're they're giving up some first downs, but they're not giving up the big plays. Uh, you know, They're not giving up the scoring. I am intrigued to see what happens to this Kansas offense when they run into what appears to be a, a competent, at the very least, Duke defense. Um, yeah. And another solid quarterback on the other side, Leonard. Um, you know, he's got more passing yards this season than, than Jalen Daniels does. Now, Jalen Daniels also has his legs. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens. I think this is a Kansas win, but a Duke cover. Like, I don't think Kansas wins by nine, but I think they do win. So... I think I'm going to go the other way. And I think this is a Duke, you know, Kansas kind of comes back down to reality. They're okay. flying high, undefeated, have already have a conference win under their belt. Um, I just think this is going to, you know, come back to reality of like they're much improved, but they're not to a um, bowl level yet. Now they could get very close. I mean, they, they could get another couple wins in the conference. However, I think this kind of brings them back down to reality. And Duke, like you said, everything you said, I agree with. I think it's it's not the same type of game that Kansas has been playing so far. Fair enough. Okay, so you got you got Duke straight up. I got Duke covering. Yes. All right. Next up, two thirty p.m. on Big Boy ESPN. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his Texas Longhorns head up north um, to Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas to face off against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. As we talked about earlier, Texas Tech kind of came back to earth. Texas uh, was riding high after a loss to Alabama for some reason. Um, they took a moral victory, if you guys remember that. The, the mighty it was, Texas. It was a uh, close loss. Close loss. Yeah, it, they were very ecstatic for their close loss that they experienced. Um, went on and basically, you know, out-talented UTSA over four quarters to win that game. So credit to them there. Heads into Lubbock. Um, Texas, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. Um, that seems to be the theme this week in the Big 12 is road favorites. Um, yeah. What do you see happening here? Does Texas cover? Does Tech win? Does Joey McGuire have a shot here? Uh, I think Texas covers. Okay. So just based on what I've seen so far of both these teams, 
I think Texas defense is, is better than I thought they were. And Texas Tech's offense is is worse than I thought they would be. And I just think Texas offense is better than the tech defense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so. agree. I think uh, I think tech will struggle to score in this game. Um and I think Texas wins by more than a touchdown. So yeah, Texas sure. Texas is a more talented team. And at the end of the day, um, I will lean I will lean towards Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy um to close out a game like this on the road. So yeah, for sure. All right. So another interesting matchup is Kansas State traveling to Norman to take on number six, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma is a 13-point favorite. So, yeah, we're running into an actual home favorite now. This would have been a much closer line if Kansas State hadn't have uh, laid the turd that they laid against Tulane. Yeah, this is 7 p.m. on Fox. So, you know, primetime, you know, big cable or not cable but broadcast matchup um so this is the type of game to me that especially coming off in history of kansas state oklahoma this is the type of game that kansas state wins this is the type of game where you kind of forget that it was happening and you went and did something else during the weekend like you went out to the movies and then you got out of the movies because your team played at 11 and you get out of the movies at like 930 and you look at your phone and you're like, oh, my God, Deuce Vaughn's run for 220 yards and four touchdowns. Like that's yeah. this that's this kind of game. Yeah, um, I think we'll this is an interesting game to me just because you're going to see, I think we'll, we'll learn more about Oklahoma. Um, playing Kansas State type of team than we have so far in the season. And and this is absolutely coming off the loss. This is. Everyone's kind of now like we got, we even did it. We talked about earlier, kind of wrote off Kansas State as a contender. And this is the type of game over there. They upset Oklahoma, right? And everyone's talking about how Oklahoma may be legit. And, you know, they're top, you know, like six in the country. And this is one of the teams like they kind of get exposed. Historically, this is the type of game it would be. Um, that said, that said, the 13 point line, I what are you s- thinking? Still think I'm gonna go with I think OU wins, but Kansas State covers. Full agreement with you. I think this is I don't I don't I don't think it will actually be the Deuce Vaughn runs for 220 yards and four touchdowns game. I think Deuce Vaughn will have yeah. a good game, but I think it I think this is like a 10 point win. And it's something where Kansas State keeps it close for three quarters and then just you know they stay within three to six points most of the game, and then at the, the end of it. Oklahoma just barely pulls away and wins by 10 or something like that. So I could, I could totally see Kansas state kind of like, we're going to, you know, really we're going to ugly this game up. Yeah. We're going to run option. We're going to keep the ball a long time and we're just going to, you know, basically play keep away from Oklahoma. And yeah, the over under is 52. Like that's not, that's not a big number for a college over. How about this? Uh, I'd probably still take the under. I would think about it. But that that's what how I foresee it playing out. Yeah, that type I agree. Tori, you. you would take the under in a fifty-two point over under. So, yeah, and Oklahoma will make just enough big plays to to win it. Yeah. All right, Matt. Let's 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 close out the sports section with the biggest game of the week. Um, probably the the toughest game that will be played in the Big Twelve. 
the Baylor Bears head to Ames, Iowa at 11 a.m. to take on the Iowa State Cyclones. Iowa State 3-0 and so far on the year. Yep. Uh, they have beaten Southeastern Missouri. They finally, after a very long drought, won at Iowa 10-7, to just a barn burner of a game. And then this past week took out Ohio 43-10, to as we spoke about earlier. Um, right now in this game, Iowa State's a two-and-a-half-point home favorite, which means Vegas is saying Baylor's probably a half a point better team on a neutral site. Yeah. This is this is a close one, man. This is two teams that play crazy good defense and don't light the scoreboard up on the offensive side. What do you think happens? What are you taking here? What do you see happening in this game? So... I have to admit, I haven't seen a lot of Iowa State games. Um, I've just kind of like kept up with the scores and how they've done things of that nature. So I, I don't really have a lot to base my opinion on. Just I'm basing it fully on Baylor and this is what highlights I have seen of uh, Iowa State. And I said today, I think it's a Baylor win 31 to 24. 31 to 24 Baylor win. Okay. That was my that was my prediction earlier today. Um so you're taking so Baylor take, I, win straight up. Yeah. I think Baylor's the better team. And I, as good as Iowa State is playing right now, I think the the BYU game on the road just makes Baylor a little bit more battle tested, even though that was a loss, a close loss in overtime. I just think they are more battle tested. They've been in a rough environment, been in a hostile environment. I don't as as tough as it is to play in Ames. I think it being at eleven a.m. is beneficial to Baylor, and it's not going to be as a raucous of environment as uh, Provo was. And so, I think having that game early on the schedule is going to aid Baylor in games like this. I agree with you. I don't. I don't. I think Baylor will be more ready for the environment that is Jack Trice Stadium. I, and, I agree with you there wholeheartedly. And I just fully believe I'm the one hill I will die on is it's always good to get Iowa State early. It is. I think it's always been beneficial to Baylor to get Iowa State early. I don't know Where if I think lost you're wrong. Early. Where I think you're wrong is I don't think 31 points will be scored in this game. Okay. <laughs> I went back you're, and forth you're on saying the score. 31 24. The over under is 45. Wow. So the reason I, I said 31, and I was basically to, totally unlike last year. And I think Baylor scored somewhere around that number, 30. It's like 30-29 or something weird like that. Um, but you could be right. So, like, I went back and forth. I wanted to go – at first I went, I went less than that, but then it, I felt like the more points would be scored. But you could totally be right. It could be, you know – 21 24 something like that i will give you my pick i i am i've gone back and forth on this game and when i when i turn in my pick to mark on friday for the um for the odb picks of the week where they ask all of us i i don't know if i will give the same score that i'm going to give now because it's just i just don't know but my instinct right now, like I said, I don't think that um, I don't think there'll be 31 points scored. I think there'll be 30. I think this is going to be a 17 to 13 game. 
the difference is going to be that one team will be forced to kick or will choose to kick a field goal because their coach isn't as aggressive on a certain drive. And then I think another coach is more aggressive and will go for it on fourth down on a drive that will open it up for a touchdown rather than a field goal. That will be the four point difference between the two coaches. The guy that's the more aggressive one is hundred percent Dave Aranda. That's why I'm picking this. I think there's going to be some aggression here. There's going to be going for the win rather than playing conservatively, which Matt Campbell often likes to do. So um, I, I think Baylor wins this game 17 13. I can see that happening, but we're, either way, I think I think we both in agreement that Baylor is is I think Baylor's the better team. Yeah, I think Baylor's the better football team. I think Iowa State is in the more comfortable position and has yeah more killers on offense just because they have Xavier Hutchinson. Yeah, absolutely, and he is a monster of a wide receiver that you can trust. I would want, I would put him over. I would take him. I would trade any guy that we have in our wide receiver core for him. I, I, I love our guys. We have, we have similar, we have a similar dynamic and you have, um, I'm putting a little bit of a question mark on a first year starting quarterback against a, a veteran defensive line, whether that's Hunter Deckers versus the Baylor defensive line or Blake Shapin versus the, uh, Iowa State defensive line. And basically, I'm just saying, I think shaping may be a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. I, I think at this point in the year, I might take Deckers. Just I have watched him play. Um, he's a bit more decisive. He's got some zing to him. Um, Brock, their new running back, that they really were hoping was going to be like, hey, he's going to fill the shoes of, of Brock Purdy. I don't think he's really performed up to what they've expected. I mean, he's got 50 carries for 280 yards and one touchdown. Richard Reese, who's only started one game for us this year, 34 carries, so 16 fewer carries, 237 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, I would actually take Richard Reese over, over Brock, and Brock was supposed to be like their next guy in line that was going to be the next great running back coach by Matt Campbell and stuff. So um, they absolutely have us beat in the receiver department, but I think we may have them beat in the, the running back department and in the offensive line department. Um, but – I, I think they understand their identity a little bit better than we do right now offensively. And that just goes with these guys all having been in the system for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's Tom Manning's offense. Let's be honest. It's not, it's not like it's um, that hard to understand. I could also, so, I could totally see like Baylor jumping out like they, they have, they did last year. Right. Yeah. You know, maybe a couple of big plays here and there where you yeah. get over the top and, and you score and then you just kind of hold on and play great I mean, defense the rest of the game. Baylor's been close on some some deep shots recently um, over the past three games. And so if, if those connect, I could definitely see, you know, you getting getting up and then it's a different ballgame. Yeah, I, I could see it. It wouldn't surprise me. So so we both have Baylor Baylor winning straight up in Ames. Um, again, uh, anything you hear on the podcast does not, uh, not reflect yes. on, on those of us that are actually speaking. Correct. All right, Matt, any other, any other football thoughts? I don't know. Right now I'm watching Monday night football and the, the bills are like, just like putting it on. Just the destroying the Titans. Just absolutely destroying them. I love it. Anytime the Tennessee Titans lose is a very good day for America. And for some weird reason, we have two games going on. So there's also one on ESPN Plus. Yeah, it's, and, I don't, I don't know what they're doing anymore. And it, I mean, 
Jalen Hurts is on my fantasy team, and he's absolutely destroying the Vikings. <laughs> so, those are my only fo- those are my parting football thoughts. What about hot D? Do you have any hot D thoughts? Yes, I do. Um, first of all, you had, did get a chance to watch the episode. Yes, I okay. have seen the episode. This is a, as a wild episode. Yeah, it was the board. It, it was it's so much happened and so little happened at the same time. And it's uh, uh, I was kind of in, in, in preparation. I listened to another podcast and they kind of said. Now, first of all, spoilers for. Episode the first five. First Did you five listen episodes. to Oysters, Clams and Cockles? No, I listened to a, a different one. Okay, I, I, I will be listening to Oysters, Clams, Cockles when I am driving to work tomorrow. So they were saying that they could fully see like everything that's happened so far. Like they could have made it like 10 episodes because they, they do. There's not a lot that happens, but then there's like these big moments. Right. But it sounds like they kind of like crammed them all in to the first five episodes to kind of like set the stage. So right. The like we, we get five seconds of establishing the character that is Damon's wife. Yeah, I guess I mean that's that's pretty much. They do a great job though of like we fully understand this character in those five seconds. Right. What what we need to know about her, we know. Like yes. they they do a great job without like it's not a crazy amount of exposition either. Like it's like subtle things that are like oh hey you know like you you going out yeah. to hunt cool like okay well clearly this this woman knows how to ride a horse and hunt things and and defend herself. Yeah, and so. Even in there, like in this interaction, like Damon doesn't say anything. Right. Yeah. He start. We start this episode off where we've just got like, okay, we know we have this, this sort of um, Brienne of Tarth kind of vibe to her, you know, where it's like, okay, this is a woman who can absolutely take care of herself yeah. in this violent universe that is Game of Thrones. And she comes up upon just a hooded man uh just standing there kind of menacingly in her way and she realizes she says i think what she's like hello husband yes and so like also spoilers for fire and blood so in the in the books all it says is she she was killed you know falling off her horse that's all it says right so there's some creative license here yeah and then there's like other accounts where like there's rumor that Damon was involved, but in the book, he's not, he has an alibi, right? So he's still, he's in the stepstones. He's still fighting in the stepstones in the book when this happens. Um, here, it's still ambiguous because he, he doesn't say anything, walks up to her and he, he's kind of like calming the horse and then the horse gets started when she reaches for her bow. Oh, that's not how I saw it at all. That's how I, that's, this is my take on it. The horse is started when he, he, he absolutely freaks the horse out on purpose. Like he, he, cause she even reaches for her bow when she, cause she realizes what he's there to do. So I would disagree. I think the horse gets started when she makes a sudden movement and then he walks up to her and kind of just confirms like, Oh, she's been like, she cannot feel her limbs. And then she antagonizes him and he's like, okay, I'll put you out of your misery. 
At least nah, I think we don't I, see that. We hundred percent planned. Hundred percent planned. But he knew what he was doing. He had to get like, and she even mentioned it. She was just like, you know, your you know, your brother kicked you out. Like, you know, what what path to the throne you have now? Like, you would have to kill her, but you would never do that. And then she kind of was like, oh wait, he he wouldn't kill her, but he would like maybe he would want to marry her. And like she, she, you can see she goes through. She's like, okay, he needs to be rid of me. Like, and that's exactly the only reason he was there was to be rid of her. That's why he had his hood up. That's why he was there like that. Like it was 100% planned. So I absolutely love Damon Targaryen. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's my favorite character. He's also kind of the worst. And I think they're all the worst. I think that's kind of the point of this whole thing is like it's a full of characters like we've talked about before. It's full of characters who are all good and bad, right? They do good things and they'll do horrible things. And I think that's why I like the show so much is because there isn't, you know, this overwhelmingly like, oh, this is the good guy and this is the bad guy. You know, you don't have the Starks versus the Lannisters in this one. You're Everyone's right. Yeah, kind I mean, of after their own, you know. That I think almost makes me not as into it. Not that I don't like it. I'm I'm quite enjoying it, but it's not. Um, it, I don't I don't like it as much. I don't think as I at the peak of my enjoyment of Game of Thrones, how like how enjoyable that was at the best time for me. I don't think this show has gotten close to hitting those notes yet. Yeah, but I mean, it's season one. And this is true. Season one was, I think you would say, like a character, spoilers for Game of Thrones, a character who was turned out to be a fan favorite, like Jamie Lannister, was a horrible, was a bad guy. Season one, he pushed a kid out a window. Yeah, that's true. But he did, like, we got to experience a full arc with him. Yeah, where- over multiple seasons. Yeah, you got to watch you got to watch him both like not become just a good person, but and then actually turns out that that was all in vain. But let's ignore the last season. Um, like you you didn't get to just see him turn and it wasn't like, oh, he's a good guy now. You got to see him um like have to mentally reconcile and accept that he used to not be a good person. And that was what yeah. I think gave validity to the Jamie Lannister Lannister arc was it wasn't just like, Oh, I'm doing the right thing now. So everything's okay. It was like, Oh, I used to be a prick. Oh, same thing. Like with the hound, you know, you see the guy who just did bidding on the Lannisters, horrible things, kills a right. child. Um, and then turns out again, you know, fan favorite has a whole like character arc. Um, I anticipate that you'll kind of see the same thing. Maybe not as stark, pardon the pun um of a of a change in character but you'll see people like damon who some people like myself are big fans of and see and i actually kind of reject the nobody's a bad guy or like no like well, there's no good guy i would like say viserys i don't i mean well, i would say this with viserys he's not good or bad he's ineffective so he's not a good king you know um, and he makes. I think he's, he's been a given a raw deal, though, in that he's he gets put on the throne in the middle of the best time, 
ever. And so there's not much for him to do anyway. <laughs> well, like, what I, do you want him to do to be a good king? I will, I'll go back to this. So like when, when the whole, like jumping ahead in the episode, when the whole fight breaks out and he just sits there and watches like, what's going on? I, I was reminded of back in season one of Game of Thrones when, you know, the two Clegane brothers were fighting off script from the, from the tournament, he sends up and he says, stop this madness in the name of your king and took full charge of the situation. And they had yeah, but Robert Baratheon also was a big dummy when it came to spending money. <laughs> like, like, True. like there were other things like, like just, that. just for the fact that Robert Baratheon was better at breaking up a fight than Viserys. I don't think that necessarily Should've... makes him a better king. <laughs> I wouldn't say better. Um, I don't know. Viserys is, I would say he's more effective because I would say right now I'm leaning towards Viserys is a very ineffective king. I I don't know. I wouldn't say he's effective or ineffective. I think he's just there and he's doing what he thinks is like he he shows genuine love, I think, for his daughter and wants like, you know, he there's an easy way out and he knows it, but he, he wants to he wants to stay loyal to her. Um, I also don't think like Rhaenyra is bad. I think Rhaenyra is just a teenage girl. She's not bad, quote unquote. I mean, yet. Like, but... it's weird that she's into her uncle. Oh, like, fine. We can say that. But I don't think like, and I don't think that that is a thing that makes her evil. I mean, she's kind of shitty to Kristen Cole. I don't know. Like, again, like, that's what I mean. She's like, she's what, 18, 19 right now at this point in the show? Like, I get it. She's not sitting there thinking yeah. about like that, like that. There, she's not the first person to ever try to do that kind of relationship when they were True. that age. <laughs> um, yeah, I still, I still think it's she's. And what we're referring entire. to for Kristen Cole there, another thing that occurs in this episode is he basically is like, "Hey, so we had sex. Um, let's run away and get married." <laughs> and stage five clinger right here. Yeah, it was it, it's like, whoa, Kristen, back up. Pump your jets here. You haven't even you haven't even taken her to you haven't even taken her to dinner yet. Um, and Rhaenyra basically says, like, yeah, like I know I complained to you about my job, but it's still like my job and I want it. And um no, I'm not gonna run away yeah. and marry you. But at this, at this time, she's still like like she's gonna be the, the she's queen. gonna be the queen. Yeah, she's gonna They're be like, the one in charge. Absolutely can't leave. That that's that's a non-starter. Right. Like this isn't like you don't give this opportunity up. Yeah. So and and she basically is like, but don't worry. The first I queen to the, the, ever. Yeah, I've talked to my husband. We're you and I are gonna get to keep banging. He's gonna go bang dudes, uh, because it turns out he's gay. And so we're just going to have an open marriage. We're going to, we're going to do our duty, have a couple of kids for the kingdom. So we have heirs, but beyond that, he gets to go do who he wants to do. I get to go do what I want to do. And Kristen Cole responds with. Like, would you want me to be your whore? Yeah. It's like, like, yeah. Were were you not listening? Yeah, exactly. what I (laughs) It's exactly what I just like. I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, I think uh, Kristen Cole, he had a, he had a pretty solid life set up for him right here. Yeah. I mean, I do understand. He like broke a vow for her. But he in this show, 
as we see like three different times is the only one who gives a shit about it. Nobody True. else cares about his oath. <laughs> and well, I also think he was proven that he's probably not a, a great guy himself after the events of this episode. And the actor has called him. I'm, so I'm like, the actor was interviewed and he said that Chris and Cole is basically a thug and he's been kind of masking this thuggishness through this, you know, valor and honor. So you, there's a chance we're going to see more of this uh, character trait throughout the season. I, yes, that is, that is also what I have heard. So we will see. Um, so, okay. We've hit the kind of the big story beats where, you know, okay. Um, Bro, uh, that dude's face was, oh my yes. God. Uh, to get there though, so we have Rhaenyra. She's agreed to marry the son of the Valerians. Lenor. Lenor Valerian. Okay. Yes. Um, she's agreed to marry him. We have Viserys going to their island to basically offer this up. Uh, clearly, we see at the beginning of this episode that Viserys is doing very poorly health wise. Looks like hell. Um, this is another way that where I think he's ineffective is. He should have never had to make this trip. You know, they should have been called to King's Landing. Yeah, and his his sister says as much. It's, it's it, embarrassing for him to do this. It's basically yeah, what she this said. is an embarrassment for him to come beg for our hand. Like, yeah, you were offering the opportunity to be the the king consort, the basically one of the most most important and uh, powerful people in the entire country. You're offering this role to our family and you had to come all the way out here and do it. It's embarrassing. And then they like negotiate for the net name and all that stuff is. Yeah. The fact that there was even like, Hey, can we work out some details? Yeah. And you can see it in his face where he's just like my, Oh my God. Like, are you kidding me that you're okay? Fine. Like he's at the point now, I think though, Viserys where he's just, I just want this to be done. Like I'm so so tired of dealing with this he knows he's dying that's the other yeah. part of this he's like i just need this stuff to be done before i die yeah because then i can die peacefully because i've gotten i've crossed all the t's i've dotted all the i's done the things that i was supposed to do um, yeah and he even you know talks about legacy later on in the episode so he's he has his mindset towards his legacy right and what he asks he, he starts asking people how he'll be viewed as a king yeah. um you can tell he's he's at that point in his life so we get the agreement for the marriage after this happens is where we get the conversation between Rhaenyra and uh, uh, what's his name again? Sorry. Lenor. Um, Lenor. I, I keep wanting to call him Lauren. Um, Lenor, where they're basically like, hey, look, we, we've, we're cousins. We've known each other a long time. We both know about each other's sexuality. Open marriage. Cool. We're good to go. Right after that, we get to meet um, Lenor's uh, boo, his, I guess, boyfriend or um personal protector as well similar to to Kristen cole it's um lanor is basically like his own version of the king's guard um that is yeah, this is joffrey is his name joffrey okay so we've got joffrey and basically he explains like hey you and i we get to do our thing um we're gonna have this open marriage and he's basically like dude this is the best case scenario for us you get to you get to go be one of the most powerful people in the kingdom. Our relationship doesn't have to end. I can fucking freaking come with you there. It's fine. And yeah, and 
that is, as we talked about, that's not how the conversation goes when Rhaenyra brings it back to Kristen Cole. He's clearly upset about it. Yeah, this is Joffrey Lawnmouth, the Knight of Kisses, by the way. The Knight of Kisses. As we see in this episode. Um, so, yeah, so that brings us back to well, they're going to have a wedding, right? A grand seven-day you know, a full well, week-long party of tournaments and everything. Before that, I will say uh, there's a great conversation between Rainice and um, Corliss about you know she's not really 100 on board with everything's going on because she feels like you're putting <laughs> she's a like hey, this, this is back. probably going to result in our son's death. Yeah, and he's kind of seen as like we're writing a wrong that was done to you. And right. She's kind of like I'm over that. I mean, like it's I put that behind me, and. I mean, she's 100% correct. Yeah. Uh, she's like, look, if 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 we do this, he's going to die. Like, somebody's going to murder him because yeah. they're not going to like how all of this is going down. And Corliss yeah. is like, look, all we... It's almost like he doesn't care about Lenore. It's like, we just have to get one more generation down and then our yeah. blood is on the Iron Throat. Like, that's well, all the... He's like, get a grandkid. And he's kind of like... He's pretty confident because he's like, we have all the ships and half the dragons. Right. They have half the dragons and the entire Navy who could ever stand against us. Yeah. Like, bring them. We'll protect our kids. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. But they, they do decide to go through with it because it's really an offer you can't refuse. Um, while this is all going on, though, we do get some looks into Allison, who yes. defended Rhaenyra last week. And is uh, and basically was like, no, 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 Viserys, you should believe her. Um, she has a conversation with her dad, which is interesting, where he uh, he basically lays out like, look, you, you have to raise your kid to lead and or you have to pray for Rhaenyra's mercy because yeah. there's going to be war if she becomes queen and she's going to have to kill all of your kids because they would have a claim to the throne, which would cause fighting. So. You either have to pray that she's so merciful that she doesn't do that, or you have to like find a way to get your son on the throne. And he's not wrong. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he kind of overplays his hand, but he's. Not I said wrong. last week. I think he's he's the kind of guy where it's, uh, uh, it's unfortunate for him that would he. He legitimately thinks he's doing what's best for the realm. And it just so happens that what's best for the realm is also what's best for him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then she is after this, she is, I guess, approached by Laris Strong, which is the son, one of the sons of Hand of the King and kind of doing a little rumor mongering. Kind of planting yeah, some seeds in her head. He's super creepy, man. Like well, he, he has comes like up, a, he's he has like he's a club like, foot, so he walks kind of like with a limp. He's like, "Hey, so you totally are up with the rumors?" And yeah, you know, yeah. I, I heard I heard Rhaenyra was sick. Like, no, she's fine. She's like, "Oh, well, then I don't know why that tea would have been delivered to her room by the Grand Maester himself." Wow, that one night, you know? Yeah, the one night where there was rumors or whatever about yeah. if she was drinking tea, which now has Alicent in a tizzy because she's like oh well if she if nothing happened like she promised me then okay. no tea would have needed to be brought to her and Kristen Cole 
this brings us to Kristen Cole and Allison. There, uh, he gets summoned to her chambers, I guess, and she starts questioning him. But she's questioning about Damon and Rhaenyra. And then, then my guy Kristen just like spills the beans. Yeah, like, he, he, he's just like, I'm a snitch. Bro. Kill me now. Like, that's just instead of instead of torturing me, just go ahead and murder. Like, oh, dude, I, I hated Kristen Cole so much. In this well, he's, moment. he's he's a very tortured person and he's been rejected, ostensibly rejected by, uh, you know, the princess who he, I would or at least thinks he loves has some kind of affection for. And now he thinks that she's talking about him. So he's just like, yes, it's true. Um, I've, you know, broken my oath, all that jazz. And that just makes Allison kind of more like, you know, hurt and angry that she was lied to by her, who what she presumed was one of a, a good friend of hers. Highly angry. Yes. So angry that when the wedding ceremony begins, she does not show up on time. Or, I mean, not even the wedding ceremony. The first night, the first wedding feast, first night of seven days, she doesn't even show up on time. Yes. And when she does show up, now they kind of, they kind of spell this out for you. So she's, if you notice, all throughout since she's been married to Viserys, she's been wearing Targaryen colors, reds and blacks. And then she shows up to this um, wedding feast wearing a green dress. Which is where we hear is the color. That's the color of the high tower, their the family color, just like Targaryen is like red and black. Theirs is green. But it's also the color that they burn. Yes. Um, in Old Town. To call to war, call the banners to, to war. To call their banners to war. So, um, in the middle of Viserys is like welcoming speech, which is, and again, he, he just sucks. Viserys, he just sucks so bad. <laughs> um, so she comes in, he tries to, he asks like the Haley King, like, where was I? And so he tells him, um, then they go on to festivities, they have their like dance and all that. Um, oh, let me go back. Someone, someone else shows up. Um, I guess uninvited. I don't know. Um, Unplanned and, for, we yes. could say. Because again, they do not have a seat for him, but one is immediately brought. And again, Viserys showing his weakness just lets him sit down at the, the table. So even though he's been banished by Viserys from King's Landing. So... The other part of this, though, is like, what do you, how do you do, what do you, what else are you supposed to do? I don't like, know. I if wish. You, if you have him forcibly removed and you have like this, like, imagine a big fight in the middle of the ceremony. Um, what would happen? But he's trying to avoid, like, he's, he's trying to keep up the appearances of like, oh my God, fun. Just, just get me through this, the night. And this is why I still, I, I'm, I'm sticking on he's ineffective because he's, he's a, a people pleaser, right? And so that you're exactly right. He just wants to get through it. At this point, he doesn't want to cause a ruckus. I think I just think if he was 20 years younger and not dying, he might do more. But I think he's just exhausted at this point where he's just like, God, I mean, he does have a team of Kingsguard that could handle this business for him. But 
Right, but do you want to embarrass your daughter and deal with that tonight? You don't care. Um. Anyway, so he shows up, takes a seat, has a uh, Viserys has a seat brought for him, and he sits down. And then, I guess his former deceased, his late wife's cousin, uncle, good cousin, shows cousin, up. And basically accuses him of like you did this. Yeah, he's like straight up like he's he's like I are you know are you insinuating something? He's like no, I'm making an accusation. Like yes. like no. And then Damon really shuts it down very quickly. He's like, well, we uh you know we kind of punish hearsay here in King's Landing. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you swung by. I've been meaning to talk to you about my inheritance because now that my wife is dead, I get all of her land and titles and. Immediately, the the guy has no backbone and is just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and just steps away. Oh yeah, he because he says like, I'll be flying directly there after this. Yeah, uh, like, maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. Like that's that's a not so veiled thread. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know who I am and what I can do. I'll I'll be seeing you around. Yeah. Do what um, you want to do about it. Yeah. That's not yeah. the only thing that happens with Damon, though. But I want to go back. Damon, in this instance, like Matt Smith is just doing such an amazing job. Yeah, he is. It's just, I just, he just, when I, I just, I'm stuck on the screen watching him portray this character. And I just think he's really like still in the show as far as like the acting goes. Everyone's doing a great job, but absolutely. He's doing like, he's just doing such a good job. Anyway, yes. So more with Damon. He, where were you going to go? The dance? I was going to, I was going to start first with the fact that at the table, he's clearly um, making eye contact and flirty facial expressions with Lenore's sister, who was recommended to Varys to marry earlier in the season. Yes. So there's, she's, she's aged. It's been, yes. both very, you know, she's no longer years. 12. I think she's supposed to be like 16, I think now, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, still very young. But her her name is Lena. Lena. Lena and Lena. So they start making they start, you know, kind of giving each other a look. And you're like, okay, something might be something might be there. And she's down with it. She's she's flirting. She's but then immediately after that, Damon and Rhaenyra sneak away into the back of the dance floor. Where yes. it, it appears like Damon's kind of being like, You're, this guy's not going to make you happy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you trying to do here? You don't want to marry this guy. And she throws right back in his face. Like, you know, marriage is, you know, marriage is a political thing. Like, that's what you told me. Remember? Yeah. yeah and they do a great, like, she kind of does the same thing she did um, on the bridge, you know, when she says, fine, and kill me. Um, take your place. She goes like, "Fine, take me, take me away from here." You know, and she's like, "Fly me out right now! Like, go, go fight my king, go fight my dad's king's guard." Where she's basically like, "Show me if you're if you're this super badass, then like, do it. Then just do it. Take what you want." Yeah, and you know, immediately after this, though, well, before he's he's, he's back with uh with Lenor's Lenor's sister. I can't yeah. remember her name. And during this whole like, you know, group dance, whatever's going on, um, Mr. Uh, Joffrey, 
he kind of figures the night out, of kisses night of kisses figures out who the other man is by these wanting looks from Kristen, who's bro are you can you be discreet he reminds me of like 14 year old me <laughs> and so he and, he and he tells like hey we've got it all figured out um she has her she's got you i i'm i'm the one that's hooking up with the yeah. future king consort we gotta protect you and I are basically yeah. in the same role our job is to keep secrets and protect them so like now we both know dude we're all good and see like joffrey didn't um didn't know what was he didn't understand the dynamics of what was going on no no he because did not. kristen's not in a good headspace at this point correct he thought he he thought he was in on probably probably rightfully thought like oh this guy also gets to be in this very cool situation yeah and then you see like as he walks away like kristen's just kind of like clenching his fists and gripping his sword and he's you know visibly like agitated which did confuse me like i know he's not in a good headspace or whatever but like i just didn't understand why like i don't know the jump to anger felt felt strange yeah and um this has to just be like he's feeling low about himself and you know he took this vow and his his honor Part of it, I think, too, is that he thinks Allison knew. Yeah. Because and he thinks maybe Renee, you know, someone told this guy. Right, right. Exactly. He, he, this is now two people in the same day that know something that he wants no one in the world to know. Yeah. And by, by all rights, should only be known by him and Rhaenyra because they were the only people around. But yeah. So, but, buddy, Chris, you, know, you did this to yourself, man. You ratted yourself out. Yeah. You rented yourself out, and you also really made this choice. You had yeah. every opportunity for the thirty minutes it took to get your armor off to say Correct. no to this. So, and you, yeah, so then he, we don't see what really like instigates this whole. I mean, we see this little um, interaction between these two guys, but you know, everyone's dancing. This is when Rhaenyra and and Damon, and then you see Viserys kind of like creating his neck trying to see those two because he's trying to see what's going on because they're getting very close and intimate um and then all of a sudden there's ruckus there is a ruckus and it is Kristen cole uh just making sure that the night of kisses will never kiss again beating like the ever-loving life out of this man just crushes in his skull yeah, and he has his whole like full armor. I mean, it is just brutal. Um, yeah, Joffrey is wearing normal clothing. Kristen Cole is in his full Kingsguard armor. Yeah, and was I mean, he walks out of there. Kristen does. Goes to kill himself. Well, I don't. I don't know how he got that far. Seems like he should have been put in some kind of like containment uh, by other Kingsguard, but he wasn't. Goes off to the Godswood, um, starts taking off his armor. During this time, you see that they're they're doing like a shotgun wedding. Like we're just gonna go ahead and do this now because there's already been a death on day one. Right, and Viserys is like doing very not well. No, there also during this, like you see, like he's bleeding from his nose. Uh, is he? Yeah, he's not doing well. So much so that after the wedding ceremony, 
he collapses. Yes. Um, and so, but yes, so then you flash to Kristen, who's in the Godswood, and he's about to just like, you know, fall on his sword, takes off, takes off all of his armor, and is stopped by who, Joe? By the queen, the queen consort, Alicent. So, so very clearly, Alicent has recognized like now he's a tool that she could use for her machinations, whatever she wants to do in this impending Game of Thrones, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's legitimately what is about to occur. A dance of dragons, if you will. Yes. And and that's, you see the rat lapping up the blood, which was disgusting. Um, and that kind of closes out the, the episode. Um, yeah. Did you watch the like Next no, time. I purposefully um, did not. Okay, okay. I did. <laughs> um, okay, I so do I'm know that the back. actors are changing now. Yeah, there is going to be a time jump. I think this is the last we see the young actors. Yes, this of is course, the last you know, of the young actors. Matt Smith, he continued to play Damon. Uh, um, so basically, it's Millie Alcock's gone. Yes. Um, uh, the the actress who plays Alicent is gone, and now we'll have like we'll have Aegon Targaryen will be like a full born yeah, character, not just a baby. Yes. So, and you know the other young actors like Lena, I think she'll be grown up. Um, I don't know about the actor that plays Lenor. I don't know if they're going to change actors or him or not. But yeah, there is going to be a, a, a big time jump. So a lot of things are going to happen in between the end of this episode. And when we see these characters next. So. What's your speculation on. We kind of know what's going to where it's going to go. I mean, I know where it's going to go. It's going to I mean, you you said you read ahead and kind of got the bullet point. Yes, I I have the cliff notes of what's going on, especially the life of Rhaenyra. I know. So I know what I know. I know all of the beats of Rhaenyra's timeline and and what's going to happen to her and and where things go with her. So basically, you're going to see this. um, I guess you're going to see more and more like animosity between Alicent and Rhaenyra as they both serve in court all these years. Yes, correct. And then the, the of course, we can tell like the king's health is going to get worse and worse. And this is going to lead up to, I don't think he's long. I mean, he's not, I think Patty Constantine probably has one more episode in him. Based probably. On, based on this health. So, I mean, even Otto says like he, he may have years, but he will not. He will not be old. an old man. He will not be an old man. And I think he's, he's not as old as he's looking just because of his health. I mean, Correct. Viserys is probably a lot younger than what he appears just because he's such, such poor health. Right. I would assume he's supposed to kind of be in his late 40s right now. And he more looks like probably he's in so. his 60s. Yeah, probably so. Um, so, yeah. So I think we'll see that come to a head. And from from people like um, who have seen it, because I, I think like media and like film critics and people like that, they got they got the first six episodes for screeners. Because and they kind of say get to episode six and it's gonna, that's when it kicks off. So I think this is going to be everything. The stage is kind of set and this is going to be the, okay, we're, we're going full out, going to war. And I'm excited about that. 
Yeah. And so I just want to see more dragon play, basically. <laughs> because in right now, you know, you have Lador has sea smoke. Um Rainies has a dragon. Uh Rhaenyra has a dragon, and Damon has a dragon. Those are the only ones we've seen. The four dragons. But as these young Targaryens like Aegon, Alicent's son, is going to claim a dragon because he's a Targaryen. He's, you know, and then I think also Rhaenyra's children, they claim dragons. So they're, we're, we're going to see more dragons in this show. And that's what I mean, it's called, House of the Dragon. So I look forward to more dragon play for sure. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It'll be fun to see some of the, the battle sets that we get in the season. Yeah, and I want to see, you know, dragon battles are always cool. And I think I want to see dragons look different. You know, I think what's good about the ones we have seen is they all have had a very distinct look to them. But one of the problems with Game of Thrones was the three dragons. They all kind of looked the same. It was kind of hard to tell which ones was which. Right, you had like Drogon was the easy one to tell, but the other two definitely. Yeah, because he was he was bigger, and I think he was maybe like like black. He, yeah, he was fully and, black. He, he was like black and red. So, and the other two, you're just like I didn't know which one was which most of the, the time. Whenever we're seeing Correct. them, so but you can definitely tell like, um, Damon's dr- dragon Craxes because he has that long neck, almost looks like a worm. You know, he's just like deformed body. Yes, then, he does not look like a dragon. And then you, the, the color should, should tell you the difference in some of them. But that's all to say I look forward to that that type of uh, dragon battles, air battles. It's going to be really cool to see how they all pull that together. Is there anything besides Game of Thrones you're watching right now? <sighs> not really. Not um, really. You still haven't started yet. Rings of no. Power? No. Haven't started Rings of Power. I'm you mostly just watching both, football and uh, Game of Th- or House of Dragon. However, this week I am going to watch Andor. That is going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I will be watching that as well. But you need to watch Rings of Power. Just do. I'll do it. I was going to watch. Or if it. you want to wait, and then we can do we can do a show rundown, and I'll rewatch it. But um, we can talk about that because they do like week yeah. by week, right? Yeah. I w- yeah, that's a weekly show. Um, okay. I will be watching Andor as well. Um, but yeah, I'm also watching um, Rings, of Power. Rings of Power. And then I, I did also watch this weekend um, a Scandi flick, which is the new, um, not Top Gear, but the new Grand okay. Tour um, film that just dropped. So they're in Scandinavia. It's quite good. Quite good. So I've, I've been thinking about watching... So I haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder yet. It's good. I enjoyed it. It's okay. a fun movie. But it's on, I think it's on Disney Plus now. So I, I think I might watch that this weekend. I recommend it. Yeah. If you like Thor Ragnarok, you'll like this movie. A lot of people don't like it for some reason. I, I quite enjoyed it. Well, I mean, some people, I think they just don't. They may not be like um, Taika Waititi fans. And it's maybe like I've heard somebody say like it's it's he couldn't get out of his own way directing wise. It's a lot of Taika Waititi niche yeah it is and uh, it's one of the danger like taika watiti is one of my favorite filmmakers um he's made a couple of my favorite movies 
A lot of um, Guns N' Roses songs. That list other things. <laughs> like I love a lot of like Hunt for the Wilder People, one of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. Um, the movie Boy is crazy, crazy good. There's Eagle versus Shark, which is really funny. Um, he did a lot of Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Um, he's done Jojo. a lot of. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Jojo, Jojo Rabbit was very yeah. good. Um, and uh, Thor Ragnarok was amazing. It's, For sure. to, in my opinion, the most fun and most enjoyable of all of the Marvel movies. Um, this one felt a little bit more commercialized than those two. Um, you know, bigger. And I think that's just kind of like the expectation of like, hey, it's a, you know, it's a Marvel movie. That's what you got to do. And with the success um, of the the previous film, uh, right. Ragnarok was so successful. So it was no, it, it, it's like, it's no longer a guy that made small movies making a blockbuster. It's a guy that's made blockbusters making another blockbuster. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the feel I got to it, but still, still a lot of fun. Like it's not a perfect movie, but it's still fun. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm very, I've pretty much liked all the Marvel films. There hasn't been really, even the one you didn't like, the recent one, um, I enjoyed the um, Doctor Strange film. Yeah, I didn't really like it. It's like yeah. pizza, you know, like even the bad stuff, you're like, yeah, I'll eat it. So, yeah. So, but I think that, I don't know, I, as a big, it was directed by Sam Raimi. So that's, it's a lot of Sam, I mean, kind of like this, there's a lot of Sam Raimi. And, and if you're not into that, his directing style, you may not like it. And mm-hmm. same thing with this, you know, if you're not really into Taika Waititi stuff, then it doesn't hit you right. You're not going to like the film. Right. It's quippy. Yeah. Which I do like Taika Waititi. So I probably enjoy it very much. Agreed with you there. But yeah, that's about it. Um, got Endor three episodes dropping on Wednesday. Wednesday. So I'll be definitely taking, taking all that in. Yeah, you're lucky you don't have to work a bunch this week. So. Yeah. Yeah. But so. I am yawning because it's late. It is late. Um, we've gone about an hour 50 right now. Something like yeah, that. Something like that after you edit edit down the, that weird middle part. I'm gonna leave, yeah. I may put in like uh like elevator music, just like intermission. <laughs> anyway, well that's all I got, Joe. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman um, and also dropping stuff on our daily bears on the regular. So are you going to be doing the uh, live stream playback this week? Are you going to be yeah, on that too? We will, we will have it up every single week this season. So, okay. So uh, I will, will be there. I'm going to try to be there. Yeah. For, the, for I kind of hopped on a little bit. It was just in the chat. Yeah. Cause you were in the press box. So yeah, yeah you guys and come I, join us for the Iowa state game. We will, uh, we will have that broadcast. We'll be on, we'll, we'll hop on probably right around 10 30 um, and i'll say this it's really cool concept because it's kind of like one of those back in during the uh like, you know pandemic and all that stuff where they had those like movie watch alongs where you kind of can jump online with all your buddies and watch the movie on netflix or whatever it's that same kind of concept only there's more of an interactive nature with it Almost yeah like, and it's not something that you have to like Key you, like, yeah. you know when you're watching a movie you might not want to talk to people when you're watching a sporting event like you can chat like it's it's pretty simple to pull off yeah so. yeah so it's like all the all the best parts of like a live stream chat with like a dvd commentary of what's going on or 
talking with your buddies. But anyway, yeah, it's a cool concept. And yeah, I'm going to hop on and be online streaming it with y'all. Excellent. This uh, weekend. Cool. Early. Matt, where can the people find you? Find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. Um, You can follow the podcast at the Baradin pod. And then as always, you can find all of our episodes at the Baradin pod.com. You can find us anywhere you find your podcast, where it's Apple, Spotify, Anchor, whatever the case may be. Whatever the case, you can find us. All right, Matt. All right. Until next week. Until next time, sick of bears. Sports Social Podcast Network.